the call, I think it was Friday, that the pastor wanted me to cover Sunday school, which I was already prepared for. Of course, I had to go over everything again. But uh, this is going to be a teaching thing. Um, And there might be people here that may never have heard any of this stuff. Uh, and we're going to be real busy because we're going to cover a lot. I mean, to start with, we're going to cover the second chapter of Second Thessalonians. So you want to turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. Second Thessalonians two, verse one. Now I write things down in notes here because it's a lot easier for me to read it off papers here and, and uh, then to turn in my Bible all the time because of my hand doesn't want to work or cooperate that much anymore. So as an introduction, well, let's, let's read the scriptures and I'll do the introduction to Second Thessalonians chapter two verse one. Now we beseech you, brethren, at the coming of the uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand, and it is. Every day it's at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That hasn't happened yet. And it could happen any day. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. He's trying to bring them to remembrance on some things that were there when he was there in the past. And he's following up with a letter. The letter of Thessalonica from, from him to Thessalonica. And now ye know what withhold, withholdeth him that might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness in unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Okay, did I skip nine? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, even him coming with working in Satan with all the power and signs and light wonders. Okay. Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. That's obvious too. Very obvious. That they might, or they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believeth not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, beloved uh, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the uh, obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. 
Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. That was a long text to go through, but we're going to go through it. But we're talking about a certain situation here. The time that Paul wrote these, uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, Christians were being killed and persecuted because they would not bow and worship to the Roman Caesar, who had declared himself to be a deity. It was natural for them to believe Naturally, believe that the, uh, they were in the tribulation because of their times of uh, certainty uh, had some of the characteristics of Daniel's 70th week. If you know anything about your Bible, or that's what we're going to be talking about. However, Paul writes to set them straight on other things to watch for. And these things are listed in the text of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. What is Daniel's 70th week? How long is the, seven, is the 70th week by number? Seven years. seven years. Okay. Now they call it a week. Hey, to God, it, it wouldn't even seem like a week because he's eternal. But he's given us time because... He's immortal. He cannot die. He is God. We die. We are finite. We are not infinite. We will be infinite if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. So, we're talking about this great tribulation period of seven years. Seven years of tribulation. Turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, this is going to go pretty quick as far as going through scriptures. But first thing we're going to talk about when you're reading all this whole text that we read, there's first going to be a falling away. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. You know, there's a lot of Christian people out there that they claim to know Christ, but yet they don't even abide by First Timothy, First Timothy chapter four. There's certain groups they have their certain rules, and how they interpret that, I'll never know. So they're talking about that great falling away and, and the problems that are falling with it. Look at Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. You know that natural affection, how much is being abused now? It's abused on the road. People are shooting at each other. Now, one guy is shooting and somebody's trying to protect themselves, generally. But yet, there's that attitude that's there. In the killings we have every single day, you hear it from Portland TV, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just as bad up in Seattle. Tacoma especially is a real hotbed for some of this stuff. 
Without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness, the form of godliness, religion. But denying the power thereof from such turn away. And then chapter 4, turn there, 3 and 4. Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, that they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto fables. So what happens? You get people that starts to make a name or make a, a mark for themselves and people flock to them of all kinds. And they're calling it some kind of faith in something. How about Scientology? So the first aspect of this text through Second uh, Thessalonians 2 is the fact that there's a falling away. How many people you remember that used to come to church here? Now, maybe they're going to another church. I don't know. But maybe they're not, and there's a falling away. There's a falling away. There's a falling away from everything, and God is going to be separating the sheep from the goats and and the good and the evil. Now, the second thing we see in this is the man of sin, the, the son of perdition, will be revealed. That hasn't happened yet. The Antichrist has two titles, even as Jesus has two titles, which are the son of man and the son of God. That's Jesus Christ. Only One man in the Bible is called the son of perdition. And I turn to John chapter 17, verse 12. Like I said, keep that fingers all greased up. We're going to be moving a lot. Now, you wonder where I got this. This is all institute notes and stuff that I've had from many years ago when I was in Bible Institute. John chapter 17, verse 12 says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me have I kept, and none of them were lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Okay, who was talking? And what was he talking about? And who was he talking about? Judas. Turn to John chapter 6, verse 70 and 71. And Judas was not completely human. He was a plant. John chapter 6, verse 70 and, uh, and 71. Jesus answered them and says, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He didn't say influenced by the devil. He said he is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of uh, Simon, for he, uh, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 48. Jeremiah 48. Judas was a Greek name for Judah, Go ahead and keep turning there. That is a Jew in Iscariot, which is a compound word meaning man of Kirioth. First meaning man of or from Kirioth. Kirioth is from Kirioth, referring to Kirioth. 
Let's, uh, let's look at Jeremiah starting at 24. Jeremiah 48 at 24 through, well, we got 24 and 25 and then 41 in Jeremiah 48. And upon Kerioth and upon Bozrah, and upon all the cities of the land of Moab, far and near, the horn of Moab is cut off, and the arm is broken, saith the Lord. That was uh, 24 and 25. Look at 41. Kerioth is taken, and the strongholds are uh, surprised, and the mighty men's hearts in Moab at that day shall be as the heart of a woman in her pangs, in her travail and birth. Pains. So we see that as Judas was a Syrian Jew, the only one of the disciples not directly from Israel. And he was a plant. And God picked him. Jesus Christ knew that. He knew that. But he had to have the devil there. He had to have the devil there to point him out so that people realize his power and his control over people. So he included him. But that also gave him the chance to repent, too. Before we were saved, we had the devil in us. Right? Yes, we did. There was a devil in us. We were doing things we weren't supposed to do. And what happened is Christ came in chase the devil out because we accepted him in. We accepted him in. Further description is given in Zechariah chapter 11. Zechariah chapter 11. We're going to read starting at verse 12 to 17. Zechariah 11. 12 through 17. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for, uh, waited for my price 30 pieces of silver. Wow, 30 pieces of silver? How does that play in the Old Testament to the New Testament? And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was prized at them, of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house. He just threw them, cast them, potter of the house of the Lord. Then I was cut asunder my own, uh, then I cut asunder my own, my other staff, even bands, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet instruments of the foolish shepherd, for lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land, which shall not visit those to be cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken. And he kind of, he puts some things together. He says, heal that. That is broken. So it's like having a comma in, a comma in there. Nor feed that, that it stands still, but he shall eat the flesh of the fat, tear their claws to piece, in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye and his arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. Any understanding who that might be? If you've read anything in Revelation, you can understand who that might be. i got to take a quick trip here and get my water bottle. So we have evidence all in the Old Testament of what's going to take place even as it's revealed in Revelation. So we see that uh, 
The further description given in Zechariah 11, 12 through 17, telling us that the Antichrist will be, will have a bad arm and a bad right eye. Judas, being the son of perdition, went to his own place. Acts chapter 1, verse 25. Acts chapter 1, verse 25. You getting all the sticky pages separated now? I mean, there's there's certain things you don't look at at a regular basis, and they get a little kind of happy to be there, I guess it is. And, you know, they'll separate and open them up. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse, excuse me, 25. Acts 1, verse 25. And you're talking about Judas here. That he might that he may take part of, of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. His own place. I wonder where that is. Oh, wait a minute. This place is further described in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. So I'll turn to Revelation 9, 11. You know, bear in mind, I'm only on the first page of these things. There's a lot of scripture here. But knowing this stuff and helping you realize where things are going and how it's progressed from the Old Testament all the way through to Revelation. Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. And they had a king over them, which was the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue was Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Both of them, it's talking about the Antichrist. Both of them. Look at uh, Revelation uh, 17, verse 8. Revelation 17, verse 8. You'll go to chapter 17. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Revelation. So we're seeing that this man is revealed. This son of perdition is revealed. It all comes together when you realize, start with, the word Christ means anointed. It means anointed. But we'll, we'll carry on here. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Ezekiel 28:14 reads, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mount of God. Thou uh, was uh, uh, walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now, what are we talking about? That cherub was the devil. He was anointed a cherub. And he forsook it, and he was cast down. So Christ means anointed. So we know here that Beings other than Jesus Christ could be anointed. But because Jesus Christ is a son, he cannot lose his anointed position because he's a son. But the devil can't. Turn to uh, Acts chapter 4 with one hand and then Luke 2 in the other. Acts chapter 4, Luke 2. 
you know, that's what we're going to do. We're bouncing back and forth, but we're, we're building a case. How long does a lawyer sit in court and build even the simplest case? It can be several days. It can be two days for just a simple thing. Some people go to court for months, maybe years. And that's just a lawyer building stuff. He's gathering information. Where we're gathering information through this holy book here. Acts chapter 4, look at uh, verse uh, 26. i got to actually turn there because I, I added a verse. I've got to read my notes when they're next to things when I do a change on this. Acts chapter 4, verse 26. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and with the people of Israel, were gathered together. So there is an anointed child, that holy child. So look at Luke chapter 2, verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. There is an anointing there or a revealing of him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death but see the Lord's Christ. So that was talking about... I should have wrote the name down. Somebody say it. Uh, yeah. You'll hit, yeah. All I got is the notes here, so I have to go find it. So somebody waited to, to see the anointed Christ at, at, at the child's birth. So the devil also has a son. Turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. As I will put enmity between thee and the uh, woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise his head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There's contrasts here that come along with it, too, between the two. There's contrasts. The holy... So we got we see the son of the devil. The Antichrist is more than just a rival or a counterfeit Christ. He is an opposing Christ. Christ being anointed. The word Christ being anointed. The devil is Christ against God anointed to oppose God, his own self-anointing. This is clearly seen we compare him with Christ in the series of contrasts, Christ in the Holy, uh, Holy, uh, and the Antichrist, Christ in the Antichrist. Christ came from above. Now, some of these I'm just going to read through, and if you can follow along, because, again, that was only the, <laughs> a long ways to go. John chapter 6 verse 38 reads, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And the Antichrist ascends from the pit. So they came from above. Christ came from above, Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist comes from the pit. And when they shall uh, finish their testimony, this would be uh, Revelations 11.7. If you write these down, you can also look these things up. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. So we have an opposing person that ascends from the pit. Christ, number two, Christ came in his father's name, 
the Antichrist comes in his own name. And we'll both, if you turn to 543, they're both, or John 543, they're both there. Turn to John 543 and we'll see them both there. John 543 says, I am come into my father's name and he received me not. If another shall come, uh, in his own name, him ye will receive. Well, Christ came in his father's name and the Antichrist comes in his own name because he feels he's God. Christ humbled himself. Philippians 2.8 The Antichrist exalts himself. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 Philippians 2.8 And being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 now talking about the Antichrist here, who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. But the thing is, the Bible capitalizes it, you know, only to show that he's trying to take the place of God. But really it'd be a small g-o-d. You know, there is many gods. There's the God we know of the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. But yet there's other gods all the time, Apollyon, stuff like that. Christ was despised. He was and is actually despised. He still is despised. If you mention Jesus Christ now, people just frown at you. Oh, he doesn't exist. You know, he doesn't exist here, except for in the hearts of us. Christ was despised. The Antichrist was admired. Isaiah 53, 3 says, He was despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And then in Luke twenty three eighteen says, And they cried all at once, saying, Away with this man, release us Barabbas. Release unto us Barabbas. They were rejecting. Christ was uh, despised. But as far as the devil, he was admired. Revelation chapter 13, verse 3 and 4. And I saw one of his heads, it was wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered at the beast, he is a god. He's supernatural. He's from out of this world. Well, yeah, he is from out of this world. Was, you know, they're going to label maybe a visitor from outer space to come and help and heal the world with his benevolence and save us from ourselves. That's what all this stuff. Uh, if you've been watching anything. Like on social media, that all the and and it's not just social media; it's news too. All the sightings that go on in the sky, and they're getting more and more and more and more. They're looking f to come here and help us straighten us out, which will be a conquering, anyways. You realize that. Revelation 13, uh, 3 through 4, and I saw his heads were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and the world wondered after the beast and they worshiped the dragon and gave power unto the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? And why should we? Because he came to help us from outer space, some benevolent planet. Christ is exalted. We find in Philippians 2.9, and the Antichrist is cast down into hell. There's a real contrast there. Philippians 2.9 says, Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. Amen. In Isaiah 14, 
uh, uh, verse 14 through 15. So chapter 14, 14 through 15. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And that's going to happen to Satan. In Revelation 19.20 says, And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and of them that worshipped his image. Uh, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So we see in chapter 9, right at the end of chapter 19, right at the end of chapter 19, just before we see the great white throne of judgment, the last several verses of chapter 19, 20, after like 21 and beyond, that Satan is cast in with all his armies, with all his groups. They're judged. They're gone. See ya. Christ was here to do his father's will, where the Antichrist was to do his own will. John chapter 6, verse 38, talking about Christ. For I came down from heaven to, not to do my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, regarding the Antichrist. And the king shall do according to his will. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and speak marvelous things against uh, God of, the God of gods. Now that was capitalized, G, of not capitalized gods. And shall uh, prosper till the indignation be accom- uh, accomplished, for that that which was determined shall be done. So we're seeing these contrasts, and you can show them from the Word of God. They can be found in the Word of God of what the devil is just mimicking is Jesus Christ. And that's why he's getting, setting himself up, and that's well how he takes power and, and confuses people and manipulates people. Okay, Christ came to save. The Antichrist comes to destroy. Christ came to save us, right? That was his purpose for coming here, to save us. He knows us. If you look at uh, Luke 19.10, you can turn there. You don't have to turn out all the places I go because it's it's going fast and it'll be over soon too. It's just as fast. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We were lost. As far as the devil... So, as far as the devil, let's see, where am I? Daniel. Turn to Daniel if you want to. He came to save, and the Antichrist will come to destroy. Daniel chapter 8, verse 24. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice, and shall destroy the mighty and holy people. Now, there's a phrase in there that is unusual. It says, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. God will let whom he will let. God is instructing the devil and, and the devil doesn't realize it and it's, and, and, and God's up here going with the strings and everything. Now you got to go this way or you got to go that way. And the devil in his, now the devil's smart. He's a lot smarter than any of us. He's a lot smarter in the world because he's outsmarted the world many times. But God allows that to happen so people gain Strength through faith. 
So we see that he came to destroy. Just He was just, you know, came to destroy the mighty and holy people, and especially the Jew. A lot of things going on with the Jews right now as far as uh, information on TV in movies that are made and series that are made. If you saw the one called The Small Light, it's a very interesting series about a family that survives in Holland when Nazi Germany invades. But it's very interesting when you, you know, uh, Tin Boom, uh, what's her first name? Tori? Tori? Corey Tin Boom, yes. Many years ago. Uh, read that, some of that. Mostly my wife dictated it to me what was going on. But, uh, it was interesting what she went through and just so many other Jews never made it, you know. But, you know, the Jews are being judged in this thing too by God also because of their unbelief. Christ is the good shepherd. The Antichrist is called the idle shepherd or evil shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 4 through 15. And when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice, and, the, and a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, and for they know not the voices of strangers. This parable uh, spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things that uh, they were uh, things that uh, they were, which he spoke unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did, uh, did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and I, and shall go in and out and find pasture. You ever see that painting that God's knocking on the door? It's not to the lost because Christ isn't not going not gonna to knock on himself, you know, or whatever it is. He is the door. He's the way in. And it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about fellowship with him in the word of God, fellowship with him in your walk so that Sometimes we shut a door and Christ has to knock to get in there. And sometimes when he knocks, it isn't that great. There was a lot more here, but I want to get down to Zechariah talking about the idle shepherd or the evil shepherd. It says in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 16 and 17, for lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that are cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken, nor feed that that standeth still, but he shall eat the flesh of fat and tear their claws to pieces. Woe unto uh, the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and his right eye, and again, this is repeating some things. It was continuing the first part of it to show that he was that shepherd, that evil shepherd. And his arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So we see he was evil and Christ is the good. Christ is the true vine. The Antichrist is the vine of the earth. True vine and the vine of the earth. John chapter 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. That's Christ. Here's the devil. Revelation 14, 18. Another angel came out of the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the wine of the, uh, of the earth. And her grapes were fully ripe. What it is, the Antichrist is taking. 
He's wiping out. He's taking the good things of the earth. It's consuming him himself. Where Christ is taking care of the vine of his people. Christ is the truth. The Antichrist is a lie. John chapter 14, 6 says, and you, you all know this one. Christ, uh, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He has to come by him. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11. As we know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Okay, he, uh, Antichrist is, is a lie. He comes as a lie. So, seeing that, oh, let's see. Oh, I got the wrong one on there. That's why it didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's actually supposed to be Second Thessalonians 2.8. Christ is the man of sorrows. And the Antichrist is the man of sin, Isaiah 53, 3, verses 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Isaiah 53, 3, being that he is the man of sorrows, he is despised, rejected a man, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we dis, dis, and we esteemed him not. Does it make you wonder if you were there, you would do the same? I figure I would. Because he was ridiculed. He was ridiculed. In Second Thessalonians 2.3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall come, except there be come a falling away first, and the man of sin, sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Some of these repeat, but it, it's also talking about who that title is, man of sorrows versus the man of sin. Christ is the son of God, and the Antichrist is the son of perdition. Some of this will repeat too. Well, we already saw the second Thessalonians one. He's the son of perdition there at the end verse, but I'll read the other one. It says Christ is the son of God. First, that's, uh, first, no. Luke one thirty five, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So, ladies, how many of you have given birth to a thing <laughs> here it says in the scripture you even call christ while in the womb the holy thing it's, so let's um i got a fetus in me so i guess that makes it a thing instead of a baby so so we got uh christ is the mystery of godliness And is is God manifest in, in and is God manifest in the flesh? Turn to First Timothy. So some of these contrasts have finished up here. Turn to First Timothy three sixteen. I got just enough time, I think, to finish this. First Timothy three sixteen. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. But God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then received up in glory. The Antichrist, talking about him. He's a mystery of iniquity. Turn to Second Thessalonians two seven. Second 
For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. God is still in control. God is still in control. So we see that there's an, uh, an exaltation uh, of the Antichrist in our text, going back to that text in Thessalonians 2.4. Now my tongue is getting thick. Here we go. Who opposes and exam, uh, exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he is as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that's going to happen. That's the Antichrist. He's going to be sitting down in Jerusalem saying, I'm the guy. You've been waiting for me. Here I am. Look what I've done for you. And then you know what happens after that? The axe drops. (coughs) The hammer drops. Whatever you want to call it. And after that first three and a half years, the Antichrist sitting on the throne of Israel in Jerusalem. All hell breaks loose. And I mean that in with all the certainty not to be someone that is trying to be flippant, but that's what happens. He has an earthly reign. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, how long is it one week? Seven days, right? In the midst of it, three and a half. In the midst of it, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, because that's what he did with uh, Israel to allow them to sacrifice and everything and go back to what it was in Old Testament. And for this overspreading of abomination sh- shall make it desolate, even until the cons- uh, the consummation in that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. He's going to really cause some havoc. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13 through 15, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So remember that when you're in high school and college, if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. Just pass all your tests. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. He's Matthew's warning us. He's warning actually the Jew because Matthew was basically written written about the Jew and for the Jew, for Israel. Now we go to the Antichrist's destruction. We see here the Antichrist's destruction is, you know, you see basically with the spirit of his mouth. The destruction comes with the spirit of his mouth. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures here, and I'm just going to read one here. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, there's about eight scriptures that go along with this. But destruction comes in Second Thessalonians 2, 8 and 9. It says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume, with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy in the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and wonders. And in uh, Revelations nineteen thirteen through 15, And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name shall be called the Word of God. We're talking about Christ now. And the armies which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in linen, white and clean, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of wrath of the Almighty God. Okay, you know who they're talking about there? Christ coming back, and you know who's behind him? If you're saved... We are. So, will you need a sword? 
You won't need a sword. Christ is the sword. You don't have to worry about it, but we will ride behind him. So we see so many things that go on here. The destruction of thing, the, the eventuality of the lake of fires upon the earth is a location described in Isaiah 34. There's by this study that I see here, and we studied this thing, the lake of fire is probably on the earth. After this time when the devil is taken care of. And through this time in that thousand years, that lake of fire will be active. And if you're not towing the line during that, and now we're not talking about us as saved because we've already done that. We're paid for. But those people that are left behind that are still mortal people, because we're going to be immortal, right? Mm-hmm. Or the mortality of Christ for us, in us. Well, they'll be judged if they're in sin. In that, and what happens is they're going to be cast in that lake of fire. And the devil gets cast in there with all his angels. And the lost or those that, receive, uh, that refuse to follow Christ will follow them too. And that'll last possibly a thousand years, but it, it shows until all those are gone and out of the way. And that's a really hard thing to think about it. Because you, you get the great white throne of judgment that follows right after the devil goes in, but that's also at the end of that thousand years. So God has time for those people. And I'm assuming there's going to be children born and everything during this thousand years, you know, that's a thousand years. You know, we see how much of a thousand years in our own life. We don't even see one-tenth. If you live to be a hundred, you've seen a tenth of it. But there's so many things that will go on during that thousand years when people still rebel because they're wicked hearts. See, and then they keep their salvation basically until they realize, and God realizes too, that in their heart they go on. And then they're judged out of those things which are found written in the book of life. And their name is not written in the book of life. Into the fire. Now that was kind of an uh, exhaustive study on just a real short amount of time. And then I didn't cover it all because we're out of time. So, through this whole thing here, we see that God has got a lot of things all set up and ready to go. We just don't know when. And that's why we need to be vigilant. And not in vigilant just in our own lives as far as our own thing, because salvation is ours if you accept Christ as your Savior. And in that thing, yes, we'll still be there, even though maybe we're not living for what how we should. Hey, there's times that I mess up too. We all do. Yeah. But we got a Savior to go to and say, and God will, because of what he's done for us. But we also have a responsibility to tell others. Other people need to know this information. Right. We need to be active somehow in some way, even if it's just with a track. We have to turn our heart compassionately toward the lost. And then it's, it's, it's real easy to be mad at things. It's real easy to be disgusted with things, especially the way the world is acting now. But yet, because they're under control of the devil, how are, and why would we judge? We need to be active witnesses for Jesus Christ anytime you can. Don't go out the door without saying, God, how can you use me today? Carry some tracks with you. So let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time we can gather together just around the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that it was as a blessing to you as even going through this study again from many years ago how much a blessing it was to me again to go through it. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would bless the rest of the services today, Lord. May Jesus Christ be honored and glorified in all that it's done here today, Lord. And uh, these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.